good sports fans? Welcome to another episode of Sports Q&A, the podcast. I'm Q. And I'm A. And we're here. Week one of the NFL season, just coming off the real first week of the uh, college football season. And it was a lot of games. That's all I'm going to say. Um, right. <laughs> a lot of games. And my endurance as I get older, I'm learning one thing. I have to pick and choose my games wisely because I fell asleep on every night game that there was. <laughs> every night game. Usually, I, I would catch on the first weekend, I would catch the West Coast game. Uh, but yeah, I fell asleep on every night game. But then I woke up in the middle of the night and was in, able to watch the, the uh, late game uh, replay. So I didn't miss it all. But yeah, it's bad for business. It's old man business. Something Q know about now being in the. In the in the 40-40. Yeah. Right. But, man, we're getting right into this, man. We got an action-packed uh, show for you tonight. We're going to talk college football, then flip around with it on the verge of the first season of the NFL and talk about some things NFL-related. First week of college football, Q, what is your overall take? If you could use one word or phrase to encapture the first week of the 2019 season, what would it be? Overhyped. And I say that because of the premature Heisman talk that we've seen dancers around with a few quarterbacks. Um, we had a couple of guys, and we'll talk about these guys later on when we start talking about the transfer portal, but we had a couple of guys that had very good games I'm not, and I'm not. I'm not trying to take anything away from them, but considering their opponent, considering the level of play, everybody now wants to talk talk this Heisman in September. And both of us know, as Michigan fans, how quickly that can dissipate and, and, and disintegrate. Um, and I'll give you this one name: Saquon Barkley. Remember how great this guy was as a collegiate running back. He was the favorite going into his junior year. He was the favorite as the Heisman candidate. And after, I think, midway through the season, we forgot about him. He was no longer even on the radar. So, yes, it's good to be excited for these guys. Yes, they're having good games. But right now, there are too many names that you could throw out there for having legitimate Heisman candidacy. Give me mid-October, and then we can talk about a true legit Heisman candidate. Yeah, you, you definitely cannot go with the September Heisman hype. Uh, the one thing that you can count on is the upset, and that's the word I'm going to use it. You had an upset of gargantuan uh, proportions with Georgia State with the big upset against Tennessee at home. Uh, it's a sad state of affairs in uh, Knoxville. Uh, I don't know what the Vols are going to do. They've been in a downward spiral for a number of years. Uh, but that's what it what it's all about. The ability to see upset in the making and turn and watch the game. And I don't know about you, but I initially started rooting for the underdog because everybody, you know, even a garbage uh, can gets a stake every now and then. So um, that's what I live for. Um, not really going to get deep into my teens and my thoughts. It's still September, still first game. 
a lot of teams are knocking out the way, uh, the cobwebs, but some teams look like a nice, pristine uh, machine. And we're going to talk about that now. We, we got a little segment which we're going to call which team or player proved the most and which have the most to prove. So first, which team or player proved the most for me is a player. Well, actually, it's both. And that team and player would be none other. Yes, I'm going to say this, folks. None other than Justin Fields and Ohio State University Buckeyes. Um, it was a lot of uh, unknowns going on. New head coach, officially his team. A new quarterback transferred. Uh, transfer a quarterback that was supposed to be a quarterback and waiting transferred away. And take Marcel. Um, and if you didn't know anything had changed, you would think that everything was the same in Ohio State. The offense was diverse and dynamic uh, to the tune of, you know, really taking the break off, really just coasting after getting to a certain point. And Justin Fields' numbers, just so you can kind of see how dominant he was in this short period of time that he was in the game. Completion percentage of 72%, threw for 234 yards, four touchdowns, zero interceptions, one rushing touchdown on 61 yards rushing. That's impressive. From a quarterback who, I'll say for a lack of better word, fled Georgia due to the lack of competition because even though I'm a, a big fan of, uh, of Fromm and Georgia, I don't see, at least in Fields' performance, him being that heads and shoulders ahead of, of uh, Justin Fields. So that's why I find it surprising that the competition led him to leave, or maybe it was the favoritism. Maybe the coaches just would not give him that opportunity. We don't know. But uh, he definitely did, again, consider the, the, the competition, but it did not look like a spring game. It did not look like the rust was there. And mind you, I will say this, did not watch the game. I did watch highlights, but when you put up numbers and you roll like this, uh, and it's a consistent basis, you, you, you prove, in, at least in week one, that you are something to reckon with. And right now, you're proving that you, right now, are the team to beat in the, in the uh, Big Ten. Nice choice. Um, I don't think I'm gonna give you a curveball. I initially had a team but after doing some quick quick show uh, pre-show research, I'm gonna stick with a player, and I'm gonna stay within the conference of the Big Ten. This guy, his first two years on campus, has shown to be the best running back in college football. Now we may not see that manifest through the Heisman candidacy and things like that, but uh, Taylor. <clears throat> Excuse me. Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin against the uh, USF proved why he is one of the best players. Mind you, I did not say running backs. He's one of the best players in the nation. Uh, only I think they played on Friday night. He rushed for 135 yards, 16 carries, two touchdowns. But here's the kicker. He also had two receptions for 48 yards and two touchdowns. And on the way, leading uh, Wisconsin to a 49-to-zip shellacking of the USF Bulls. 
Now, I give Taylor extra kudos because Wisconsin was a team in the Big Ten that a lot of people weren't too sure because they're changing. They have a new quarterback. Um, they're transitioning. Well, he, he played some last year, but now he has four rings. Jack Cone won the uh, starting job over the highly touted true freshman Grand Met. And a lot of people were a little bit worried. So while Cone had a, a pretty decent game, 21 yards, two touchdowns, it was strictly off the, the, the shoulders, the legs, the, the quads, whatever you want to say of uh, Jonathan Taylor. And I think the success of Wisconsin, if they're able to get back to the big to win uh, the, the Big Ten West, is going to be because of Jonathan Taylor. Um, last year he rushed for 2,000 yards. I can easily see him do it again because there, this is this guy is just that good. I just hope he doesn't have an unfortunate injury along the way because I'm looking forward to seeing him on the next level. And he's going to be one of those guys that's going to be one of the next great running backs in the NFL. Yeah, he definitely is a workhorse uh, and definitely put people on notice. Uh, and, you know, really taking that next step, or appears to be taking that next step from uh, where he left off last season uh, with his yarders and his production, even though Wisconsin was underwhelming last year and predicted to be underwhelming this year. But he definitely could be that difference maker. So, Q, which which team or player still has the most to prove? Um, actually, I'm going to stay within the Big Ten. I know this is a national show, but us being Big Ten guys, teams that we follow are in that conference, they kind of stood out. And I'm going to have to go with the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Now, they're trying to bounce back from a 4-8 and eight season under uh, first-year head, well, now second-year head coach, uh, but it's, it's just something about that 35 to 21 win over South Alabama that did not sit right with me. Um, Frost has a lot to work on. I mean, the, they they just didn't look good. The defense played well. They had a bunch of turnovers, but I'm worried about Adrian Martinez. This is a game where you should be, I mean, cooking. You figure lower level FBS school. Um, you should at least be able to have a, a decent completion percentage, uh, some yards, a couple touchdowns. Look at these numbers. Adrian Martinez was 13 to 22 for 178 yards, no touchdowns, one interception. And then to add even more questions to it, he had 13 carries for six yards. We know this guy to be very mobile and elusive, and, and it, it, it just seems as if the Nebraska offense was stuck in the mud for most of the day. It, it, it's, like I say, if not for their defense forcing five turnovers, Nebraska could have easily, easily have lost that game. And there's not too much time for them to rebound because they go next week into facing one of their old Big 12 rivals in, uh, in the Colorado Buffalo who looked good in week one against Colorado State. So if they don't get things fixed, they could easily be one-and-one one coming off of this weekend. Yeah, I mean, as highly touted as that team is in a lot of preseason uh, season rankings to come out of their side of the division uh, in the conference, they got a lot of improving to do. To me, uh, my team uh, was another a team like yours that did win, but 
um, it was an underwhelming performance. And people are going to be surprised. And my old roommate, Ozell, probably going to cuss me out when he hears this. But this is Florida Gators. Florida Gators uh, beat uh, the Hurricanes. Uh, but their offense was very close to being deplorable. Um, there were 50 yards rushing. Uh, my man, uh, Felipe Franks, 63% uh, completion percentage, two touchdowns, two picks. But outside of two 65-plus yard catches, the offense had nothing to offer. And then on the other end, the defense, which it did play well, but it did also play against a true freshman, uh, had no turnovers. For a team that a lot of people are believing the hype based off the win, uh, uh, the win against Michigan in the bowl game, this team has a lot to prove and a lot to come together. Yes, their defense has the, the components to be something that can compare, uh, you know, to keep them in every game. But we saw that most recently last year with our team, Michigan, having a dominant defense and the offense that struggled or became predictable, what that got them. That ended up with two losses at the end of the season that ended up being a disappointment. So, Gator fans, something needs to happen offensively. Uh, I don't know if you have a secret, a secret uh, QB in, in, the, in the ranks, um, but you have to make sure and find a way to get the offense to work. And uh, if not, then it's going to be sad in Gatorland especially when you're looking at they have a warm-up game against a tough and surprisingly in 2019 saying a tough game against the, the Wildcats uh, in week three uh, on the road, that could be something that could make or break their season for both teams. But if Florida plays like this, Kentucky is going to be ready to rock and roll with them. So uh, Gator Nation, you better get it together. You better call Spurrier, uh, tell him uh, get some plays together for you. Or uh, it's going to be cut time for Dan Mullen, even in year two. So that's that section. But we're going to talk about what a lot of people love to talk about when it's in their advantage, but I hate to talk about when it's not. And that, folks, is the NCAA transfer, uh, transfer portal. It used to not be a portal at all. You used to put in that transfer. You have to wait. A year, and that was just a rule. There was very few exceptions. Then you had the graduate transfer. Now you have an overall portal, but to me, the portal is flawed for numerous reasons. Uh, I think the biggest thing is that there are levels in there in which there can be a denial or acceptance for reasons that are nonsensical. Whereas an illness of a family member is... Uh, looked under the tightest microscope and a transfer for competitive reasons is accepted and granted next year immediate eligibility. Will this yeah. change how college football is for years to come, for the next generation of fans? It has to, um, because now coaches have to be very strategic and we're gonna—I mean, we're gonna specifically focus on one position, the quarterback position. You have to be careful, well thought out, of, well thoughtful in how you recruit quarterbacks now. Um, the days of 
going after blue chippers each year is gone because now you look at these guys um, and you look at the situations in Alabama, you look at the situations in Georgia, even Ohio State, Michigan. It's like if you got too many, too many potential players that are capable, they're going to leave. Somebody's going to leave, and I think it's it's unfortunate, but it's the it's. I hate when people want to try. Oh, this is the new. Oh, people don't want to wait their turn. I mean, no one wants to wait their turn. It's just even back in the day, because I never forget stories of hearing about when how Brady, how Brian Greasy, how even a guy like uh, Desmond Howard considered transferring from Michigan back in the day. The difference is there was no easy access for them to jump into a, tran- a, a system like the transfer portal, portal and get away with it without kind of thinking it through. In the past years, you had to sit down and talk to the coach, let the coach kind of say his piece and, and maybe even talk you out of it. And whereas now, this is all on the player, and they can decide, I'm out, without even talking to the coach. And that's the unfortunate thing. That's the thing that's going to cause a lot of issues. And I'm not sure if you saw this, but even going, we brought up Tennessee and their struggles. After that loss to Georgia State, two players decided in the season, I'm out. Entered their names in the, into the transfer portal. One was a wide receiver, and I think the other one was a defensive back. So this isn't even a matter of playing time. These are guys, now you got to worry about, oh, if we start losing, I'm out. So now you have to worry, is the NCAA going to hold true to this uh, immediately, immediate eligibility? Who, who are they going to allow? Who aren't they going to allow? I mean, we saw it with Luke Ford from Georgia. He wanted to transfer home to Illinois because of a family illness, which was legitimate. And I had no problem with it. They told him no. But you gave immediate eligibility to take Martell, Justin Fields, and all these other guys that are just transferring because of, like you said, playing time. And the, the excuse that they gave Luke for was the distance or something. I'm like, that doesn't even make sense. This guy wants to go home and play for his local school. Fields is from Georgia. So, if anything, he should have been transferring to Georgia State, Georgia Tech, or somewhere down here. Or Tate Martell is from Vegas. He should have been transferring out west. Him being able to be immediately eligible transferring to Miami and with, with BS. And I'm going to be real. And, and I think this is part of the whole issue that we see with the NCAA so many times. It's like there's no rhyme or reason for whatever they do. You can, oh, you can't have, you can have a bagel, but you can't have a cream, cream cheese on the bagel. You can do this, you can work, but you can only work so many hours. Or you can have a, a YouTube channel but you can't make money off of it. But you can make music and have somebody buy music that way, but you can't do other things. It's so inconsistent, and I think that's the biggest thing. And hopefully one day they get some gumption and realize what needs to be done and do do the right thing for these players. Yeah, and to me, I'm, my opinion probably is uh, not the average opinion, but the portal, I don't have an issue with the players exercising their right to want to change their mind because coaches do it all the time and they have the opportunity and there are no punishments 
for that, even though, you know, there are leeways in there that now players can explore transfers when coaches leave, my my issue is like uh is like you said is the NCAA stepping in. It's like you have a system in place. Why do you you have to approve it? I mean, either make it this easy or make it this hard or make it uh, I mean, either make it easy or don't make it at all. Like, okay, you go into the portal, you can explore it. It's kind of like um college players kind of check test testing the market going to the camps to see if I'm going to be drafted. If not, then I'm going to go back. I'm going to go on the portal, see what is, what's happening. Do I have another opportunity? And if so, then I can leave. Maybe you limit it to one transfer. Okay, unless it's a graduate transfer after that. You have to do something where you have the freedom. It's the same thing of, you know, how mm-hmm. people fought free agency uh, in sports. You know, we wanted you to stay here, right here. And fans, of course, fans are going to have bias. Yeah, they'll hate players that left them and went to other teams or whatever the case may be. But the biggest thing is that the players uh, need to have that opportunity. Now, does this change recruiting? Yes. Does it probably add to the aspect of over-signing or gray-shirting more players? Probably so. But the thing is, from a player, I mean, from a coach's standpoint, I heard somebody say it, uh, on the radio this week is that in week one, you found coaches putting in players who normally wouldn't see the field in garbage time because rumors have been swirling about them going into the portal. You risk, you risk players getting injured. You risk uh, messing up your program for years to come by doing this. Now, at the end of the day, it is what it is. If players aren't willing to wait, they have the opportunity and the choice to move elsewhere. But with that, there's consequence. Just ask Tate Martell. Didn't win the starting job in Miami, and where was he? In on trick plays. That's what he was doing. It is what it is, but I think the biggest thing with the portal is the NCAA needs to just set a rule. When you go into the portal... If you declare that you are going to, and there has to be some type of signature, some type of something, that you are going to leave, then you leave. The other thing that they need to do, because to prevent this, because I can imagine, can you just imagine if you had the all underclassmen All-American teams who happen to be sophomore, who can't go into the league yet because they're not in their third year, deciding they're all going to go into a portal, to go to whatever team it may be. You have to put things in place so coaches don't exercise which they what they can is the year to year scholarship that each player is under and basically kick guys out of scholarships because you have bigger studs coming in. Um, because that creates a whole nother aspect where you can create a Miami of the I mean Miami, a Bama of the Big Ten, a Bama of the ACC, a Bama of the AAC. Where you have a, a, you know, if you get enough star players going to one place, then now you change the paradigm of what that looks like. Can you imagine, you know, eight, uh, four or five star all American going to Memphis, where they would pretty much go undefeated and have these star players and be able to get into the playoffs, even as they are now. I mean, those are the type of things that you can. If you just open it up and say, hey, everybody can transfer. But if you continue to be uh, just random with your your reasoning and logic or your lack thereof, 
then you're going to constantly just be ridiculed and people don't respect what your office is trying to do. I understand what they're trying to do, but the execution of the NCAA over the last decade or so has just been piss poor at best. So I believe the portal can work. I just believe that you just need to open up the cap and you can go, but you can only go on the portal once unless you're going to be a graduate transfer. So that means at least you've gone to a point and gotten your degree and then you're free to make that decision on your own. But you can't go into the portal one year and then, oh, nah, I didn't start. I'm going in the portal next year. Oh, I, I got benched after game five. I'm going in the portal and I'm transferring to such and such. That, that's, you don't want to open up that. But if you can set up some clear things, you can go in the portal once. You'll be immediately eligible uh, for whatever team. A team is only allowed to reduce the number of scholarship players by a certain percentage so that, you know, those other guys who potentially may lose scholarships because of a big uh, recruit coming in uh, will have somewhere to bounce to, then I'll, I'll think it'll be fine. Um, but you will see some very interesting things, and you will see a, another level and the uglier side of recruiting for sure. Uh, because that's another level. Cause that's it, that's better recruiting than recruiting from high schoolers. Cause you know what these guys can offer. The other, uh, you know, high schoolers, you're going off of uh, potential. So, yeah. Yeah. So that's my. It, yeah, I mean, and I definitely see exactly what you're saying. It's, but can we trust the NCAA to get it right? That right now the answer is no. But, again, if you change the rules and not make it, well, one person or one department in the NCAA controls what it is, I mean, do what you if, – if, if the NCAA used part of my idea, but you brought uh, player rep representation, conference, and coach representation to agree upon what this looks like, then it'll be something that, like, this is what it is. It's not going to be perfect. But this is what it is. You know, hey, you can go ahead and leave. You can go ahead and stay. If you do this, you know, make it user-friendly. But it's like they don't want to do that. Like, you're limiting so many things, and you're going to end up what we have been rumoring for years, if you've been listening to the show, of some other organization being a competitor to the NCAA with lesser rules, and you're going to get players, coaches, uh, former administrators and other things to to buy into that, and then now you throw things away. Cause I, I, with that, that with me saying that, it popped in my head. Wonder, I wonder with the foot, college football contracts, how much is that tied into the NCAA, or is it tied into the conference? Uh, I'm sure the NCAA gets some money from of it, but could they do a conference? I mean, uh, a TV uh, contract without it. And what would what? How could you get out of it? You know what I'm saying. So say the contract is expiring next year, and hey, the SEC wants to go and create this football alliance conference, and we're gonna put in whatever we're gonna put in, or that's our our ruling body, not the conference, but that's our ruling body. You know, they. I'm sure there'll be plenty of networks that will want to do it, but what? Yeah. You know, I will wonder what the what the contract. Ah, I guess I'm gonna have to do some research. Um, wondering how the TV contracts and how it's tied into the NCAA and how tight 
is that contract with that. Of course, the NCAA would definitely sue uh, to try to prevent that. But I just wonder, you know, because I think that's what, what it would take for the NCAA to really act right. Because right now they have no reason. There's no competition. They, the, the people who who are complaining about it are the minority because the majority of everybody else is just getting paid off of the athletics from it. So, yeah, we'll see. But with that, folks, we're going to go into our first break. And when we come back, we're going to talk nothing but the NFL. And we got a lot to talk about the NFL, especially the results of our fantasy football league draft the other day. I'm looking to take home the crown. I don't know where Quinn is trying to finish. <laughs> okay. Anywhere beneath me. But we'll be back in a little bit. Sports Q&A podcast. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Like, uh, <laughs> uh, what's that? I mean, uh, what's the name? Nice. Right. Uh, welcome back to the Sports Q&A podcast. Uh, this is the second part of the show. We're talking about the NFL. It's week one in the NFL. And we're going to get right into it. What's the most important thing in the NFL season? Uh, we're going to talk about that next because I, I forgot about Hot Feet. The man himself, <laughs> Mr. Cryogenic Cracked Feet, Antonio Brown. I want my helmet. I want my helmet. All these distractions, missing practice, uh, posting your your fine letter from, from your team, and then threatening to fight your GM and trying out for... I guess backup punter for punting the ball when you were so mad about it. Um, <laughs> it looks like Antonio is going to either be inactive or uh, suspended for the first game. Q, this is the question. If you, Mike Mayock, how do you handle this situation from right now? The situation has occurred. They haven't made a public statement yet. It's been rumored. What is your what is, what 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 is your line of of operandum a uh, mode operandum when you're dealing with Antonio Brown? I mean the the suspension has to be there because I mean there is a even though and, and this is why it's hard because we don't know what was said within the, the content of that conversation between us two. But if I'm gonna assume that it was something derogatory or negative towards his his boss, so to speak. You have to be suspended. I mean, you can't get away with the stuff he did. You can't go on social media and berate your boss and keep your job or or not be reprimanded for it. I mean, I've seen people all over Twitter, social media, the state talking about, I don't understand what he did wrong. What? So you can cuss your boss out? And I know the, the extreme in the corporate setting is you're going to get fired, and they're not going to do that. But you're telling me you wouldn't get reprimanded for being out there all willy-nilly against your, your company and your boss. I mean, he's unfollowed the Raiders, uh, social media, Derek Carr, some of that stuff, and folks are going, riding off with that. But to answer your question, if I'm like, man, we sit down and I might have to suspend him. I mean, there's talk and there's conversation about voiding his contract, which means the Raiders have nothing. I think because there's a character clause within the contract, 
they remove all culpability, so if they void the contract, they owe him no money. They owe him none of that $30 million, and they can walk away from him. And, I mean, the question then becomes, is there a team out there willing to put up with that BS? I mean, we're looking at Pittsburgh right now, and you got Mike Tomlin and Big Ben sitting back, sitting in the lazy chair at home, smoking cigars, smiling, because they realize this is what we've been dealing with for the last few years. I mean, we laughed and thought the the whole Facebook live during the in the locker room was just a blip, but that's what we saw. We can only imagine what we did not see. And and yeah, he could be a, a great teammate. He could be a great guy. But when it comes to the needs of the team, and especially for a Raiders team that is really trying to reestablish itself, I don't need these headaches. Yeah. So if I'm Mayock, so see Mayock is in the situation being a first-time GM on the on the Raiders, and this incident occurring, you number one cannot react like you would in your normal setting. You can't react how you would react if you were an analyst on the NFL Network. You have to think long term. Now if Whatever was said or whatever was done in that conversation is viewed as a quote-unquote third strike, then you get to certain levels. But you find him, that was, that was, uh, the fine was for missing practices. The injury was a freak of nature injury. That was what it was. The helmet situation was that. But in the short period of time that Antonio Brown has been on your team, are you willing to walk away from that investment? If Mayock makes this decision to have him walk away and void out the contract, it sets the tone that he's not dealing with nonsense. But it also sets the tone that he may not get top-notch talent via free agency or trade when a player has something to do with it because – we know that a lot of top players, particularly at the wide receiver position, have tendencies that are closer to Antonio Brown's than not. Uh, just the antics. If I'm Mayock, I'm going to do something significant. I'm going to make him piss or get off the pot. I want to find him for six games. Number one, if you're Mike Mayock and you think that the Raiders are doing something this season, you're sadly mistaken. So with that, I set the tone. I let him know, you do not run this show. You are a part of our future or current or future success, but you do not run the show. You have to operate under the confines of what we set and the tone we set. So from that point on, Nothing else is to be said. If he chooses after game six to not come back, then he just constantly, then now that goes into all this money or all the reason why you did all these things and made all these, the social media videos, everything is to get that guaranteed money. Now I'm going to mess with that guaranteed money. Where I'm going to go ahead and cut you and I'm going to say, I need my money back. I'm going to void out the contract. I'm going to do something extreme because now I... Set the tone with my with the with the punishment or the discipline aspect of it. I still get the player back 
And now, every all my other players understand how we're operating. No one player is bigger than the team. Yeah, you may be mad that he's not there if you lose if they losing and he's not playing, but that sets the tone. And when he comes back, he's either gonna get in line, or regardless of whatever Antonio uh, does, there is going to be another team that thinks he won't be that way with them. But the only team that can take him has to be a strong organizational team with strong leadership in every aspect from ownership, general manager, head coach, and quarterback. There are very few organizations like that. The the one organization that pops in my head would not sign him for that contract, and that would be New England. But he wouldn't have that aspect. And the thing is, if the rumor mill gets more and more based upon them releasing him or trying to trade him, do not be surprised if the New England Patriots end up with Antonio Brown. Because what that allows him to do is to be the thorn in the side of his former team, former team when it comes playoff time. And to get that championship. The players right now... The, the fans and the players in, in Pittsburgh are laughing, but let a breaking news report come on. Antonio Brown is now a member of New England. They're going to hate it. Oh, yeah. And it'll be nothing that they can do about it. So the thing is, is that, yeah, he's no longer your problem, but he can become a bigger problem as an enemy than as an ally. And... You know, right now, everybody, he went to Oakland. He's harmless. Oakland is sorry. They're not going to develop for a couple of years. Blah, blah, blah. This regime will be over as far as players, and we'll be in reset mode or whatever. But let him go to New England, who has already been the bane of the, the Steelers' existence recently. <laughs> because he knows, yeah. I mean, he, he can do so many different things. But that's... Again, my speculation. But that will be, the to me, the only organization will, that will be able to handle him and get the production out of him at the same time would be uh, the Pats. But, hey. but now we're going to talk about the most important thing when we talk about football season, which is fantasy football. We had the sports Q&A fantasy football draft on Tuesday. And it was very interesting. Um, I'm going to say this to uh, the hosting sites for fantasy football. Please take out retired players. Uh, We had a draft yesterday. Somebody unfortunately was on auto pick and picked up Andrew Luck in (laughs) in the sixth round. Please take away retired players. It's not too late. All it is is to quickly remove. That's all it is. But uh, draft, I always like to see the flow, ebbs and flows of the draft. Draft yesterday had someone take a quarterback in round two. Had someone take a kicker in round uh, in round four. And a defense in round three. Very interesting picks. Uh, because things come out, 
never seen a quarterback go as that high in a long time. Uh, but hey, you want the players you want, the production you can get. So I'm gonna go through my lineup. I don't even know. I, can, I don't think I can go through. Look at my draft. But I'm gonna go through my lineup. I'm not as pleased as I was with my second draft yesterday. Uh, but my my draft is as such. I have Dak Prescott as one of my quarterbacks. Uh, other quarterback is Russell Wilson. Alvin Kamara, running back. Kerryon Johnson, running back. Uh, Jalen Richard, running back. And Alexander Madison, running back. Wide receivers, T.Y. Hilton, Sterling Shepard, Mike Evans. Is that it? That is it. Tight ends I have is David Njoku, uh, Kyle Rudolph, and TJ Hawkinson. And Bills and Texans defense. And my kicker is Matt Prater. Um, again, I'm not going to give away my strategy, but I know where the, in most leagues where the, where the real points lie. So I kind of put a, a, a priority on those. So again, I haven't played too many leagues, in the, and this is an ESPN league, so I haven't played too many leagues in the ESPN league. Um, so I'm going to see how this goes with uh, with this. Uh, but I'm pretty pleased with it. I think my quarterback situation, I think this year I will say this, that I did pay more attention to the buys, and that did affect my drafts uh, heavily uh, when it came to what week the buys were so I wouldn't have to sit or trade or release players uh, in order to make sure I, I won. So I mean, this is not what well, definitely not my best draft, and I had I had the number three pick uh, in the draft. Um, and oh, and this is the other thing we talked about auto pick. The guy that was no, did I have number three in this pick? Yeah, I did. Thank you, did I did. The person who had number two was on auto pick at the time. And the rankings of the players, he must have pre-ranked his players because the normal rankings of the players were different. And the player that I was going to pick, become like, oh, this dude is waiting too long. He's on auto pick. He's not going to get this guy. And he ended up picking McCaffrey, which who I was going to pick. Yeah. Uh, who's going to be a points machine with his running and catching uh, abilities. But, again, I'm, I'm, I'm fair with this. Uh... I got a couple staples of people that I've had before with T.Y. Hilton, uh, Mike Evans, uh, Sterling Shepard. This is my last time getting you. I thought you were sleeping when you came out of Oklahoma. And now with uh, OBJ gone, this is your time to shine, especially with Golden Tate out the first four weeks of the game, I mean, of the season. So we're going to see how it works out. What are your thoughts on your draft? Um. Before I get into mine, I'm, I got to talk about that you mentioned the whole draft and the quarterback high. I think with how the league, NFL itself, not fantasy league, is transitioning, you got to get players that's going to get points. And when you look at guys like Pat Mahomes and even Deshaun Watson, they're going to rack up points through passing the ball and, and potentially with their legs. And even looking at some of their the, the matchups and the uh, – projected points, they have higher, I mean, they, 
their point projections are higher than some of these running backs. So um, I talked to another one of the guys that's in our league, and he's like, I, don't, I need points. I don't care whoever's going to give me the most points, whether it's a running back, quarterback, or wide receiver. That's what I'm going with. And I think that's the, the mindset you have to have now because the traditional thought process of, oh, drafting back-to-back running backs, unless you're getting getting lucky and getting a guy like the Christian McCaffrey's, the, the Zeke's, the Le'Veon Bills, those types, you're not going to – something's going to have to give. Um, but that's neither here nor there. As far as my team, um, I, I guess I, I would have to say I'm satisfied. Uh, there were a couple of picks I missed out on that I wish I could have gotten. My first pick, my first two picks, I think, I, I just said all that as far as the running back, but I think because of where I picked, I think I had the seventh pick, I had to kind of go back with the traditional – uh, thinking because uh, I think it was still too too high for a quarterback. So I, actually, I think the person took the quarterback before me. So I mm-hmm. ended up with Le'Veon Bell and Dalvin Cook as my first two picks. Um, just even looking at their projections, 16 point, in our league, it's 16.4, 16.6. So, I mean, they're going to get you the most points, um, even though Big Ben is who's, who's my quarterback is, at 17.4. So, I mean, it's just about your strategy, and sometimes it's going to work, and sometimes it doesn't. Um, my wide receivers, this is where I'm kind of iffy because I have Adam Thielen, Taj Boyd, and I, uh, I kind of went with him based on the theory that A.J. Green is going to be out for at least a few games or won't be as healthy. So, they're going to kind of focus – they're going to focus on him. Um my tight end is Jared Cook. I, I, I figure that uh, um, New Orleans is always going to – they're good for having a, a tight end that they feature, and I think Cook is going to be that guy. Uh, my, my flex running back is Mark Ingram. I think uh, with them having Lamar Jackson, their quarterback, they're going to lean on Mark Ingram as a running back to kind of take some of the pressure off him. But I, he might end up being one of those sleeper picks that ends up being a lot more heralded than what we thought. My defense is the Cleveland Browns, and I have Brent Maher from the Cowboys as my kicker. On the bench, a couple guys to stand out, and one of them, I'm kind of mad I'm not playing tonight, Jimmy Graham. He already has three catches for 30 yards and a touchdown. So I think I might have to see how this league league plays out, uh, how, how week one plays out. I might have to bump him into my flex. Um, Emmanuel Sanders coming off for of ACL, Jordan Howard in the crowded backfield in Philly, Kirk Cousins as my backup, and Corey Davis out in Tennessee. Uh, Irv Smith is another guy that I think he may not pay much dividends in the beginning of the season, but if Kyle Rudolph goes down and doesn't have the production, I can see him kind of doing, uh, being that next go-to guy. So, I mean, I would have to give my team like a B-minus only because I don't really like my wide receivers. And and that was because I chose to go heavy with uh, Dalvin Cook and Le'Veon Bell, so I missed out on one of those top-tier wide receivers. So hopefully it doesn't come back to bite me. Yeah, and just I don't know how many analytic folks we have out here, but uh, ESPN does their analytics of the draft pro- uh, projections, and Yahoo does as well. And... Based on this, 
And I well first before I give what they have the estimated projection or placement. Every year that I end up with high rankings ends up being trash year for me. And every time I end up with a C, I think I'm more motivated. So I had an A in my in my in my Yahoo one of two out of the twelve teams. And here, uh, Quinn is projected at sixth place, which would be playoff. And I'm projected as six. I mean, third. Um, but then they have this new thing of trending upwards or downwards. And other people. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm fourth. That's uh, New York Sassy Niners. Um, so, it's going to be interesting. We'll keep track and give feedback on on the uh, standings and our production. Uh, and like I said, I'm interested. Uh, and I'm talking this way because I have two combatants in to in this in to this week's Thursday night matchup that I don't think are going to fare too well against each other uh, and they're not so far so I'm not even looking at my scoreboard uh, I'll wait uh -huh. until midday on thir on uh, Sunday but hey it's a game I have hardware to prove that I'm, I'm a I'm a pretty decent player, but I don't, I don't think I've won our league that we've done before, and I need to get some more hardware. So that's my goal. I'm going to make it happen. Uh, hopefully, I don't I have to. Know we're, you said what? I didn't know we were handing out, I didn't know we were handing out second place trophies, though. Yes, we won't. We won't. Listen, here's the thing. This is what I'm trying to get my other lady to do. I got two huge trophies in my trophy room. I need a ring. <laughs> and, I, and I may offer this up for for our for our league because I've seen some that are actually uh, pretty good or at least look pretty good. Of course, they're not real championship rings, but I would rock my championship ring uh, a lot <laughs> uh, if I when I win one, I'll, I'll gladly exchange my trophy for a championship ring. So I'm trying to get my other league to buy in for that. But if I win it. The money that that was a paid league, I would uh, gladly buy a championship ring with that, and take plenty of pictures with it, like I do with my trophies. But they, they don't give it out for second place, so I'm not worried about that. It's championship or bust for me. As long as I get in the playoffs, we're good to go. Good to go. But let's talk about the NFL and our way too early predictions of each division. In each conference. And we're going to start with the AFC. Um, the AFC East. This is one, to me, I feel is the easiest one. And that's the Pats. I don't have any discussion. No need for discussion for that. Uh, I, I echo that sentiment. All right. In the West. Who you got, Q? Um, I, I like two teams, but I'm going to stick with the team that's been playing well. That's going to be that that had the, the reigning MVP, and that's uh, Kansas City. Uh, the Chargers, I want to go with them, but I'm not sure what this whole process with uh, Melvin Gordon, them losing um, their DB, their uh, left tackle Russell Okung is dealing with some stuff. So San Diego has some injury issues and some contract issues that's going to push them back. So I'm a, I'm going to go with Kansas City. It is the most misopportune time for uh, 
San Diego to have all these things going on. And uh, Melvin Gordon, if not traded, may have uh, go down in the history of San Diego as the player who ruined their Super Bowl chances uh, for that. But I have the Chiefs as well. Uh, I think San Diego with these injuries and the delays and all these other things uh, will take a slight step back. But Kansas City is trending upward. And especially if their defense is going to be as good, uh, better than it was last year. Uh, the North, I'm not jumping on the bandwagon uh, with a lot of other people. I'm still going with the Steelers. They have to be dethroned uh, before I can name the Browns as the division winner. Yeah, same here. And I think Pittsburgh is going to be motivated to show that it was other distractions that kept them from being who they were. I still need them to have a number two wide receiver on their offense, and hopefully their DBs finally step into something because they find ways to always struggle when it matters the most in playoffs. True that. And in the last, the AFC South. Now, this is where I think this division is generally always the hardest to predict because you have always three or four, if not all four teams, competitive. But I'm going to go with the Falcons. I think injuries kind of held them uh, back last AFC, year. AFC, AFC, AFC. Oh, I'm, so, I'm sorry. You yeah. said the South. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, AFC South, um, this one is tough because I don't – everybody wants to put Houston up there, but no Lamar Miller. Um, it's going to take a while for the new left tackle to get it together. Um I'm going to go with Indy. Despite losing Andrew Luck, I think Jacoby Brissett does enough to kind of keep that team afloat. Justin Houston being added to that defense uh, and a couple of offensive pieces, I think they're going to, that's going to be like a 9 and 7, 8 and 8 division, but yeah. they could win it. They're, yeah, they, they definitely could. And I think, you know, the fact that people kind of wrote them off is going to be to their benefit of sneaking up or sneaking back up on people. But I had Texans in there. I just think the offense is going to take a step up. Losing Clowney will hurt, but they still have the most dominant defensive player in J.J. Watt. They'll find a way to get pressure uh, and to win that division either 9-7 or 8-8. So on to the NFC. And since Q already talked a little bit about the NFC South, because I forgot to say NFC, let's go back to your prediction in the NFC South. Um, the Falcons, uh, I think the injuries last year to the defensive side of the ball hurt them a lot. And I'm, I'm making this prediction under the guise that Julio does not miss time. There's been conversations about him holding out or sitting out due to, quote-unquote, injury, but it's about his contract. So if he, if he plays, they win the division. If he plays, I mean, really plays and isn't seriously injured, he wins the division. Now, if they don't play, I might have to give it to New Orleans. I just don't trust the fact that New Orleans has to play seven of their eight road games truly outdoors. And I think we've seen New Orleans struggle when they have to go outside. So that's another reason why I'm kind of putting my trust in, uh, in, in Atlanta. Yeah, with New Orleans, I, I think this is going to be the swan song for Drew Brees. He's playing at such a high level. 
I just it's just hard to bet against Drew Brees in that offense, no matter what their defense is, and I think their defense is going to be improved. But I think that they're going to win a tough division, um, and they're going to just nip the Hawks. Uh, but I just think that he's going to be motivated. He has the 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 whole state of New Orleans. I mean, uh, New Orleans, Louisiana on his back. I think he's going to uh, they're going to win there. So next we go to the. NFC North, and uh, by the time you hear this, the, the Thursday night game will be over. So you may laugh at my prediction, but I have the Bears winning. Uh, I think the Bears' defense, and when they get the continuity with with their offense, will be able to control the ball, especially as it gets colder, uh, and be able to shut teams down. Uh, now, again, I am not the person to say that Trubisky is going to take the huge steps that everybody's predicting uh, for them to make a run at the uh, NFC Championship. But I will say that it will be enough come the end of the season to uh, eclipse the Packers or motivate the A.A. Ron. Huh. I could get super homer, but I ain't that drunk. Um, I'm going to go with the opposite team that played on Thursday, the Packers. I think I saw enough defensively from that team where even if they have some issues offensively with the floor getting things together, that defense is better. And at this stage in his career, Aaron just needs a decent defense, decent to, to good defense. He'll never have the equivalent of the Bears or even the Vikings defense. He just needs to have a good defense for them to kind of get things done. And I think he'll have that this year. The key is, will they be able to get anything out of their run game? Either team, and you guys will see this looking at the stats, run the ball well. I think they combined for like 90 yards rushing on both, which is deplorable considering the talent that they have. Even though they don't have necessarily a, a bell call, they have enough talent to run for at least 90 yards individually as a team. So for them to combine for 90-something yards is, is unacceptable. Totally unacceptable. But, hey, it is what it is. The season's underway. All right, so the NFC West, I have the Seahawks. A lot of people are drinking the Kool-Aid. I'm not necessarily drinking the Kool-Aid. That defense is going to be uh, intimidating. It's not going to be the Legion of Boom because you don't have the defensive backfield. That is just locked down. It allowed them to do so many different things. But you do have Wagner. You do have Clowney adding to that stout defense. Uh, and I think Russell Wilson is the greasiest, and I mean greasy, he's slippery quarterback in the NFL. Of always avoids the big hits, makes the big plays, uh, is cool, calm, and collected. And I had the Seahawks winning that division. Uh, good choice, but you forgot the Rams. I didn't forget them. I, I, think, <laughs> I know. Um, I just think that even with uh, Sue and a couple of guys moving on, they still have the most dominant player, defensive player in the NFL, and that's Aaron Donald. And you, with that person still on that team, they're going to be in it. Um, I think uh, – even with Gurley having some questions about the arthritis in his knees, he'll be able to get it done enough. And even if they split it with Seattle home to home, I think their schedule kind of plays out better and 
enough to give them the advantage where I think both teams end up being in the playoffs. I, I think see, uh, L.A. just gets the advantage. And one team I do not want to see that I'm thinking everybody's trying to hype up, which is going to be a joke, is San Francisco. Yeah. They're, they're not ready. They're not ready. But it is it is what it is. And the last, the NFC East. I'm going to go with, I don't know if it's the popular decision. I guess it depends on which side of the NFC East you're on. But I'm going with the Cowboys. Uh, I think when the time, uh, you know, by the time things are all said and done, their offense is going to be productive. The defense is going to be uh, stout. And they're going to win this division, which to me is a two-team race. Yeah, I can see that. Um, just looking at their schedule, one, two, three, four. They don't play uh, Philadelphia until, I think, week seven or eight. And I think that would be enough time to have that kind of going in the right place. But I will say this, deep, this schedule is kind of – iffy for them. I mean, they opened up with three three winnable games with the, the Giants, the, the Redskins, and the Dolphins. Uh, but those next three games be kind of dicey. They go to uh, New Orleans, they, they host Green Bay, and then they play the Jets, who I think will be improved. So, they, the key to their season is if they come out of that 5-1 and one or 4-2 and two at worst. If they're 3-3 three and three in that stretch, I'm worried for the Cowboys. Um, but I think they will be 5-1, and one, which means they're going to win. I hate saying this, but I think this is the year they finally get over the hump and get past Philly because we're going to see that Carson Wentz isn't the answer in Philly. So they're going to get past the Eagles and win the division, which is going to drive this city nuts down here in a good way. Hey, I'm, yeah, it definitely would. So, again, these are two-way early uh, predictions. Last but not least, and we do this on every show, we're going to do our college, I mean, our, not college, our NFL picks of the week. Uh, each each of us has two games. Give a little detail on it. So, we're going to go with one of Q's games first. And he has Minnesota versus Atlanta. Um, this game is a quick determining factor for uh, tiebreakers in the NFC playoffs. Um, like I said earlier, the Falcons are my AFC, NFC South pick. So I got them jumping out to a quick start. Um, I think Matt Ryan does play well early, and then teams start to figure them out. The key is if they can get the running game going without uh, uh, with some new pieces back in the background. And if hopefully – Julio Jones does not miss this game. If Julio misses this game, I'm going to be upset. But I think he might. And because of that, I'm going to go with the Vikings. Well, my game, uh, first game, is the Denver Broncos versus Oakland Raiders. Uh, of course, most people will be talking about this game. We're talking about the Raiders for non-football reasons. But this is one of the nastiest, ugliest matchups, robberies in the history of the NFL. And regardless of wherever these teams are, they tend to have a good physical game. 
Mind you, this game was the last game on Monday Night Football, so I won't see it because I'll be asleep. <laughs> I'm asleep trying to watch it. But uh, this game, I'm going to go with the upsets are all upsets, and one of their three wins of the season, Oakland's going to win this game. <laughs> Some, somehow, some way. Uh, for no rhyme or reason, I just think it's the emotion of everything negative that just has been surrounding them that they're going to find a way to have some kind of freaky win that's going to uh, over-inflate their expectations of their fans and then see them get exposed for us to see. And I, and I like Carr as a quarterback, too. But I just don't like what the GM and coach have surrounded th- that team in. And then I'm going to go with my second pick back-to-back. And the games I'm picking... It's kind of like the games I like. I used to like to cover when I cover high school football. The unconventional games, the games that if you had a fan, you had a choice, you probably wouldn't go see these games unless it was your home team. But my other game is the Tampa Bay Bucks versus San Francisco. And the reason I picked these, uh, this game is because these are two teams that are hot takes of teams that are on the rise that could take up. Everybody is buying the, the Jimmy G... Uh, hype, and that, you know, they, they came better, even though when he, his first pass he threw after coming back from injury in preseason was an interception. Um, but looking at that, looking to see what uh, Bruce Arians is going to be able to do in Tampa Bay, uh, this game is going to be entertaining. Not sure how defensive it is. I'm interested to see what uh, Dominican Suits is going to do in Tampa Bay as well. Um, in this game, I had Tampa Bay winning this game. Uh, I just think that Jimmy G is not ready to come back. I hope he doesn't get injured getting hit by Sue, but he's known to do folk, uh, folks <laughs> like that. Uh, but I had the uh, Bucks winning this game. Okay, so my AFC game is the L.A. Chargers hosting the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, as I said earlier, the, the Colts are my sleeper pick for the AFC South, and the Chargers dealing with all the issues with no Derwin James, uh, questions about Russell Okun not being available, and then the possibility of uh, Melvin Gordon not playing due to a contract holdout. I think this is the perfect storm for the the Colts to get a get out fast and get a win that they need to kind of. Well, some of the doubters and some of the naysayers who think that they're going to fall off the, the, the cliff without Andrew Luck. Um, and I think this is a game they're going to win without Brissett doing a lot. Um, I, I like Marlon Mack, former USF Bull. Um, I covered him when I was down there um, living in Tampa. But he's a hard-running, great guy, former UCLA commitment that backed out and had a great career in South Florida. Um, and I, I really think they have some pieces. Ebron may not be the focal point anymore, but he's still going to have some some opportunities. You have David uh, Devin Funches coming from uh, Carolina, so that's another weapon for to pair with uh, um, with that offense. And I think they get it done. Um, this is going to be an entertaining game, probably in the mid twenties, easy night creek into the thirties. And I got the Colts winning that game. Well, it's going to be a good one. And for all our Sports Q&A fans who did not know, 
my NFL two-year ban is over. Uh, I feel like a disgruntled watcher after tonight's game, which was trash. People were going to dress it up and paint it up as being a defensive uh, matchup and all these things, but it was trash. Quarterback play was trash. Even by A.A. Ryan, he just made a few more plays. But Trubisky, folks, you by the time this podcast released, you'll, you'll have the same opinion. Hmm. Look at that GM's, uh, I mean, the, the brass at, at, at uh, Chicago and look at the quarterback that they passed over to, to, to take Trubisky and let me know that if they had that quarterback, would they have won the Super Bowl last year? I'm going to let you answer that, folks. That's a rhetorical question for you to answer, but you will. And when you see the quarterback or think of the quarterback, you would say the same. But they still my pick right now, um, but they're going to have to get better play. They're going to have to have a better all-around offense, but that is what it is. So, folks, don't forget to check out Sports Q&A everywhere you can check out on all your social media outlets on Instagram and Twitter at sports underscore QA. The website, sportsqanda.com. That's sportsqanda.com. Also, follow us on Facebook. Sports Q&A fan page. I think the other page, the low in Washington page is still up if they didn't make it switch to something else. I can't remember. Uh, but make sure you check us out. Make sure you follow us. Make sure you respond. Make sure you share it. And most importantly, the podcast. If you're listening to it, it could be any number of places. It could be Apple, uh, iPod. It could be Anchor. It could be Spotify. It could be any number of places. And here's another one. Look, I'm dropping breaking news everywhere. Be on the lookout within the next two weeks. I'm dropping a, a spinoff podcast of Sports Q&A. It's a high school coaches show called Thursday Night Lights. So be on the lookout for that. I'm going to have some of the hottest coaches in Metro Detroit area talking about the state of high school football, talking about their teams, and just providing an outlet, a media outlet for, unfortunately, for an underrepresented amount of athletes in the Metro Detroit area. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, it'll be coming It'll be airing on Thursdays uh, when it does come out so you can listen to it prior to the Friday games. But that's next. And Q, you got anything going on with the, with your YouTube, with your Sneakerhead show? Nah, I actually been taking a break. Uh, I uh, haven't really been feeling it like I used to. But I will say this, uh, be on the lookout for the write-up and the post-game video for the uh, – SMU versus North Texas game that I'll be at this Saturday. So that's one thing to be on the look for. And while we're on the air, we didn't do this. What is your prediction for the Michigan Army game? Uh, I think Michigan is going to struggle a little earlier. Army is hard to defend with the, with the triple option. Uh, but they're going to win the game. Uh, just looking to see. Oh, there were rumors that, that uh, Shea was injured early in the game. So, going to be interested to see if his effectiveness. If there may be a quick pull and charge it up to an injury and not effect, uh, offensive effectiveness, 
uh, with McCaffrey coming in or Milton coming in, depending on how they're feeling. Uh, but I think this is going to stretch the, uh, the the defense. But I think they're going to bottle them up. Uh, and just the, the talent level and the game planning is going to overcome. Uh, but I think it's going to just be cl- too close for comfort early on and they're going to pull away. Uh, but they're still finding themselves, I feel, uh, on both sides of the ball. Now, see, I'm, I'm going to take a different approach. I think what people are looking at what happened with Middle Tennessee State and getting worried, but I think that was – Army was the classical – that was a classical trap game because they were looking at Army. That's, that's the type of offense and scheme that you have to prepare for in the offseason. And I think that's what Michigan was doing. They were so focused on stopping uh, Army and that triple option that they kind of did not do what they needed to do in preparation for Middle Tennessee State. And if you pay attention, they it wasn't a lot of big plays. It was just missed tackles and broken plays by the quarterback that opened some things up. And if not for the, 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 the muff punt and the fumble by Shea, that offense from MTSU would not have been able to move the ball much. So I think they're 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 readily prepared now for the Army game and just seeing what Army did against Rice. Um, a friend of mine, his son plays is the starting running back for Rice, and he had a 75 yard run against them. And I know he's coming off a, a ACL. I think two ACL surgeries, so he's not the type of back. And, and they definitely don't have the type of talent at Rice that Michigan will prepare for it that will present itself. I just think this ends up being a a, a bigger win than a lot of people are looking at. Because I've seen so many articles about, oh, this is a trap game. This is, this is a potential upset. I don't think so. Now, they may not cover, but this game is going to be a comfortable win where people are like, oh, why are we even worried about this game? Well, I hope you're right. And I believe they're going to win, but I just going to be uh, just, again, closer because I think unre- after what some people wanted to see the defense just shut Middle Tennessee State down, and even though they did, people didn't feel that they did, uh, uh, Army and their triple option is just a team that you, you know, kind of contain and just make them have to pass, which they don't, even though they did pass, I think, six or eight times last game. Um, so, I mean, they're going to get a win. I just want to see progression from game to game. Um, so, we will see how, how Michigan handles this. So, with that, folks, check us out on our next podcast. Make sure you follow it on all streaming platforms. Make sure you share it. Make sure you give us feedback on any of our social media uh, outlets again. Uh, if you can't remember, just rewind a couple of seconds and you'll be able to do it. But until next show, we will holler at you later, people. Peace. Peace.